problem is it happens so fast. I mean, I, I get exponential growth, but holy crap. I can probably say if you draw a line in humanity, November 30th, 2022, before that is pre-AI and after that is post-AI. What the impact that AI will have on our societies and humanity in the next decade will make us forget that COVID was even a thing. Hi, I'm Boaz, founder and CEO of Simply Augmented, and I'm excited that you're tuning in to Shift, a show that explores what it takes to thrive and adapt to the changing workplace in the digital age. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to have Alan Smithson as our guest. Alan is a serial entrepreneur and CEO of Metaverse, an XR company that helps businesses create virtual experiences for socializing, shopping, and collaborating. During our conversation with Alan, we explore his background growing up in Canada and how his family inspired him to become an entrepreneur. We also cover Alan's vision of how AI will shape the future of work and what are some of the challenges we need to look out for. If you're someone interested in how emerging technology plays into our experiences, both real and virtual, you won't want to miss this episode. It's an honor to have Alan on our podcast, and we can't wait to learn more from him. Let's get to it. Alan, great to see you. Uh, super excited to have you on the show today. And last time we saw each other, we were in Miami. Where are you today? It was about the same temperature as it is today. It only took us two months to get here. Uh, I'm in Toronto and just outside of Toronto and at home in my backyard. And you'll see maybe some birds flying in here. And yeah, I'm in my, I'm in my home in the trees away from the technology. Like I do every single time, I want to read back to you your experience. You, I want you to tell me if I get it right and correct me if I get it wrong. So a couple of things. One, uh, you were the founder and inventor of Smithson Martin, Inc. Tell me a little bit about that. That sounds like it was uh, in the music industry, music related. It was pretty awesome. We uh, Back in 2010, we invented the world's first multi-touch application for Windows. So when I say multi-touch, I mean like real-time multi-touch. Um, we were able to do 10 simultaneous touches um, on a 46-inch see-through touchscreen. So you've maybe seen a DJ playing on a giant see-through glass touchscreen. Yeah. We invented that thing. Um, we ended awesome. up working with some massive artists and working with Microsoft directly, and we went to Sonar in, in Barcelona. Um, you know, it was really, really awesome. I, so you're also the owner of Star Productions. Yeah, so we, that's how we got into the technology company. So we had a DJ company, and then I saw a YouTube video of this technology, and I said, what is this? I wanted to buy it, and I realized that it didn't exist. So I found the guy who coded it, and we made a company together, and you know, we ran that company for five years all over the world. We had a global distribution. That's awesome. In 2019, when I first met you, you were the host of XR for Business podcast. That's how we first connected. Oh, man, I'm so grateful for everybody who joined that. Charlie Fink was my first episode. He was on a couple of times and you were on the, the show. And it was just honestly, I had come out of a bad place. We, we kind of had a we had acquired a company and it fell through. And it was like, how can we, you know, at least just learn about the industry in every way we can. And so Every Monday, I did eight episodes. I interviewed eight people every Monday. on, And it was really around what are the technologies in XR, 3D, virtual, augmented, mixed reality, being used for work, being used for business, being used for enterprise. Uh, everything from retail right through to social applications, to meeting spaces, to um, virtual commerce. Uh, there was training, everything. In, in every industry, too. It was 150 episodes. And then... As I hit the 150th episode, I, I was like, 
I've learned everything I needed to. We ended up partnering with another company and, and we merged the two companies together. So, you know, we'd solved the problem that we set out to do and that's find the technology. And so I took a step back from it and that was, I kind of retired the podcast at that point. It felt like it was, that was all that needed to be said. <laughs> yeah, it was a great, great show. And, you know, after that, pretty soon after that, you became the co-founder and CEO, right? You're, you are the CEO of Metaverse. Actually, we founded Metaverse in 2016. So I'm a co-founder oh, there. Okay. When we merged the two companies in 2019, uh, the CEO of the technology firm, uh, Cherry 3D, that we, we acquired, uh, he became the CEO of Metaverse. And so uh, that was the natural progression of things, right? We were, we, were trying, we were an agency trying to find a technology to wrap our brand around. We had all the customers and we had the brand. Uh, and really, we, we searched high and low around the world. And we ended up finding a technology uh, stack and, and a team that lived within 15 minutes of our house. I can't even make this stuff up. We had searched everywhere. We had people in India. We had people in, in China. We had people in Japan in all over the U.S. And we were trying to find this, you know, the perfect technology. And it would happen to be right in our backyard. And the, the one main caveat was it had to be a 3D creation platform. You had to be able to distribute photorealistic 3d on the web and so these guys nailed it we we launched it we actually acquired the company in 2019 we put the two companies together in 2020 we launched the product and we're just about to launch version two of it so it's been a while so exciting yeah now i know that um I, i know that you're an advisor a board advisor you're a mentor and you've been involved as an investor in some different companies but did i get your experience right Is that pretty close? Pretty close, yeah. I mean, I've had 11 companies. Um, We've owned everything from a a hostel at a ski resort. Uh, We owned a real estate holding company. We had a nutraceutical company, a DJ company, as we talked about. Um, So we've done lots of things. Um, Currently, I'm a a co-founder in Metaverse, um, but also the mall, which is actually built on Metaverse, and, and it's a product by Metaverse. The mall is a virtual shopping mall. It's the world's largest virtual mall. Um, we launched with our partner Juicyverse, uh, Starburst Juicyverse last week. We were just in VentureBeat literally this morning. So it's been nice. a crazy couple of weeks. Um, and then I'm also a partner uh, with my original partner from the emulator, from the Smith & Martin touchscreen, uh, Pablo Martin, my partner from that. We actually, he started an AI company. We started the company about a year ago. And uh, it does facial tracking for multiple camera setups. So if I wanted to have multiple cameras for this interview, we could uh, literally set that up and it does facial tracking, so automatically switches cameras. So I can just talk to this camera, talk to this camera, talk to this camera, and it all automatically switches. Um, and it's super useful for uh, content creators and YouTubers and stuff like that. So we, we make the creator tool there. Um, and then I'm also a board advisor for a space company. Uh, they're, doing, they're building novel rockets for reusable rockets to send heavy payloads into space or anywhere on Earth. Um, their goal is to have port-to-port transport anywhere on Earth in under an hour. So that'll be super cool uh, once they get that off the ground. Yeah, I'm also um, a board advisor for a quantum sensor company that is uh, working on biosensors, uh, quantum biosensors at the molecular level. So being able to, to look at pharmaceuticals through a manufacturing pipeline instead of like doing kind of in, infraspectular or infrared or spectrophotometry, you can actually look at it at a molecular level and make changes uh, as needed. So it's um, it's really interesting tech. Uh, I got to go to and see a quantum computer last week. Uh, it was the strangest day. It was I went to the quantum computing conference in the morning, 
And then yeah. in the afternoon, I went to a thing called Pioneer Village, which is exactly what you think. It's like an old Pioneer Village in the, in the top of Toronto for like a, an escape room thing. What a That's mind hilarious. melt. Yeah, I was in like the most cutting edge lab in the world down to like, yeah, the, 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 um, what do you call it? Uh, the Smith and the, you know, the Baker. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's strange because this whole conversation is around the future of work. And if we look at the history of work, we look at from like when a small village used to make, you know, one person was the Smith and he was making the horseshoes and the, you know, the metal goods. And then you had a wood, a, a wood uh, maker making, you know, tables and whatever people needed. And then you had a saddlery and you had, you know, everything within the village. And now our village is global and we have Amazon, but we, we have mastered manufacturing. And so we've gone from kind of these hands-on things where, you know, we are the craftsmen of these things to now, you know, we stand by and, and wait for an alarm to go off and to, to hit the switch and fix something when, a, you know, a world, you know, giant machine stops working. Um, yeah. And so that kind of leads you, that took, I don't know, like a hundred years maybe maybe 120 years, something like that. Um, but AI is here, and the, the change in our future of work will be compressed to, well, it's already here, so months, days, right? So how do we prepare people for an age when the entire world made a massive <laughs> quantum leap? Uh, yeah. Well, you've been writing so much about AI recently, and one of the things I wanted to make sure of today was talking to you about that and getting your your sense of it. But before we do, though, I want to go way back. And I've just got a couple mm -hmm. questions for you about your background. I know you're Canadian. You know, we, we've talked to a lot of folks from the US on the on the podcast to date. So this is going to be the first Canadian perspective. But what was your first job? Your first job where you actually got paid? My first job was at, uh, cleaning the cages in a chinchilla farm. Chinchilla? Yeah. They're cute tell, little tell me more. Like they're literally like a puffball, like the size of a softball. They're cute and they're soft. There's the softest fur you can ever imagine. Uh, but they're kind of vicious. Like you don't want to put your hand in the cage because they kind of bite. So I worked there a couple of weeks and I, would, I was cleaning out the cages. And, and one of the chinchillas, I really fell in love with him because he just, he's the only one that didn't try to bite me. And he kind of came out of the cage and we'd sit on my shoulder and I would clean the cages with him on my shoulder. And I kind of got to know this damn thing. And then one day I came in, they were all gone including the little one I loved. And, uh, and I was like, well, where did they go? What do you mean? Did you, where'd you move them? Are we, you know, putting it? And then they explained to me what you'd use chinchilla fur for. Mm. for fur and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I quit. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <I'm> out. <laughs> I've had a couple of so those experiences the... in my life when, when I realized what I was doing, it was, I yeah. can't do it. So that was the first job. What was your favorite job? And it may be right now. I know you have a lot of passion about what you're doing right now, but you have such a variety of experience. Yeah. Like, what was your favorite job? I mean, being on stage DJing uh, at festivals and monstrous nightclubs and in huge events, I mean, that's pretty close to all, as awesome as you can imagine. I mean, I, I've DJed in Ibiza for 5,000 people. Um, I yeah. DJ that uh, build Microsoft Build conference for five thousand people. <clears throat> um, yeah, I've DJing was was up there. Um, I never thought I would stop. I actually retired. I don't know, six seven years ago, seven years ago now. Um, and uh, I just focused all my energies on what I'm doing now. And I never thought I could love something as much as I did that. That and it's a different energy. I mean, I don't, I don't get on the stage and, and you know, and rock out anymore. 
but I get to do things like this where I'm actually making a difference in, you know, I create a lot of content, I do a lot of interviews, and it's all with um, the one major goal, my goal in life is to build a new education system to prepare us for the future of work and what's to come in an age of AI. I just didn't, honestly, I, I've been taking my time. I built Metaverse to build that, you know, to do all of these things, to build the actual engine that we needed to, to deliver this at scale. Um, the problem is it happened so fast. I mean, I, yeah. I get exponential growth, but holy crap, you know, we can say, I can probably say if you draw a line in humanity, November 30th, 2022, before that is pre-AI and after that is post-AI. What what the impact that AI will have on our societies and humanity in the next decade will make us forget that COVID was even a thing. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very concerned about not only the use of it, which is great. I think that it can unlock massive human potential, but at a pace that we're probably not ready for. One, and the scale in which these technologies can get into the hands of bad actors and be used at a massive scale and, and that everybody has access to it. And we gave the, the AI the complete, and like yesterday, Google announced that they've taught their BARD AI large language model to code in 20 different languages. Wow, okay? that's amazing. And then we gave it the entire internet's information, including our likes and dislikes as humans at scale, TikTok swipes and all this. What could go wrong? I, I just launched a new website yesterday. And it's literally AI versus humans.ai, what could go wrong? And I've been doing a series. I started on LinkedIn and I've done 131 as of today, uh, AI versus human. It could be anything from like today, the OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, has been called to testify in Congress. We're making good steps now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I want to go even deeper on on some of your thoughts about AI. But, but first, I have a question for you about your family. I mean, you have such a diverse background you're clearly a serial entrepreneur was was work a part of the conversation growing up what did your parents do did you guys talk about work at the dinner table so i think i kind of got two inspirations my mom um always had a you know uh, she was she was a real estate agent at one point then she also did uh you know insurance so she had kind of this like flexible hours right and and i always saw that i didn't i didn't see somebody going to work every day and sitting in a you know a cubicle i just i saw flexible hours and i thought that was work and then my dad owned a jazz bar and a, wow. a business where he did like uh, pipe fitting for, for building, you know, HVAC systems. And so I'd go work with my dad during the day and we'd like, you know, go into people's basements and fix their HVAC and put in a new furnace or whatever. It was, you know, his manual labor is great. Yeah. And then at night we had a jazz bar and we would live above it. So I would get to go and hang out at the jazz bar. And so that I got, so you know, cool. it's my mom. I got this kind of stability of like, you know, work but from different places and then from my dad i got the entrepreneurial spirit of of uh, you know owning businesses and then i read a book I, I had a real job for like a very small minute i was a pharmaceutical rep for three years out of university uh, very very successful at that um, i was the number one sales rep in the country uh, for two years in a row and then i was on a flight once back from one of our conferences and i read rich dad poor dad and he breaks mm. down how like an employee gets paid, the government takes their tax, and then you spend what's left over. And a, and a corporation gets paid, spends what they need, and then is taxed on what's left over. And that fundamental difference, I was like, oh my God, that over your course of your lifetime could mean millions, tens of millions of dollars in, in lost revenue and lost uh, you know, money to tax. 
So that was when I went down the rabbit hole of starting my own business. And that's why I tried so many different things. I read four hour work week, started a nutraceutical company. Um, yeah. You know, I, I read like Rich Dad's Guide to Investing and bought a bunch of properties and made money on it. That was that was a good one. Uh, started the uh, the hostel and did that and like, yeah, man. Let, let's jump into the most recent one. Talk about explain to the audience what the metaverse is as a as a business. And uh, honestly, the naming of the company I think is an interesting story, given that you were early. You didn't know that metaverse was going to be this word that everybody was talking about. I mean, when you when you name the company, so. Yeah, just the, let's hear a little bit about that. And then let's go deep into what what you're doing with that in the XR space. Because I think so many people know about you in the XR space, but I mean, now you're also in the AI space. We'll talk about both, but let's start with Metaverse. Sure. So the term Metaverse comes from um, from a 19, I think it's 1990 novel uh, called Snow Crash. Um, I finally met the author uh, this year. Uh, so it was pretty cool. And he's going to be, I think, at A.W. Neil, Neil Stevenson. Um, oh, good. But anyway, we'll see each other then. Kind of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there super too. Super cool. Oh, I'll, I'll be there. I'm running the enterprise track. Perfect. Um, it was a really cool book. It's very uh, weird book. Like he starts off, and this guy's got a, he's got a sword, and he's you know chasing, and he's a pizza delivery guy, and you're like, what is happening? And then you realize that, in it's kind of in the future, and the world's gone to shit, and now everybody's kind of in VR. And you're in this metaverse world, and it's one continuous world, right? Where you go in, and everybody goes to school. They do their things, and it was right around the time where I also read Ready Player, uh, Ready Player One, and the book Ready Player One talks about not just how you know the 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 kind of highlights that the movie did, but it talks about how there's a planet dedicated to education, and you go there every day, and you get credits, and you you get credits for learning, and then you can go to other planets, and you know you can fight people on other planets, but it's like a giant infinite virtual world uh, that everybody goes to in, in the metaverse they didn't call it metaverse they called it the oasis but the general concept of it yeah so it was reading those two things and then we were we were trying to our company was called shock creative s-h-o-k and then creative with a k and we had a really cool logo but it never really hit and then my partner at the time dan he says what if we called it metaverse spelled v-r-s-e and I, we both were just like yes of course done and so we, we had the logo made, which um, is two triangles for the A and the V. And um, we had 19 uh, logos made, and everybody picked this one. And then we had it made, and, and then we, we actually, strangely enough, we never filed the trademark until exactly one month before Meta changed the name of the company and set wow. off this kind of explosion of the word metaverse. And the word metaverse, you know, typically refers to the kind of the future of the internet with, you know, um, 3D uh, AI and, and perhaps blockchain. And so primarily, what are you doing uh, in the company? What are you offering? I know you have an engine, but talk about you know what you guys are offering as a service and as products. Sure. So we started off as a studio and we've built about 190 projects um, in XR, virtual augmented mixed reality, 3D. Um, a lot of the projects recently are not using VR or head-worn glasses. They're just using you know, 3D on tablets and phones and computers. Um, but uh, it's getting back to VR again, which is cool. So we've done everything from, oh man, we built um, we built the first web AR project for for a pharmacy uh, pharmacy company. We built a virtual uh, reality photo booth for Samsung back in 2016. We shot a ton of 360. We actually had to build the 360 camera rigs at the beginning. So we actually at the beginning had a slogan: "We do everything, like E V R Y everything," um, which was dumb, by the way. Don't do everything. 
But what it, <laughs> the whole point of it wasn't to do everything. It was to learn everything about the industry and what was coming. Because you got to imagine back in 2014 when we started, there was no industry. It was a DK1 yeah. piece of crap headset that you could look around in. And that was it. Yeah, I remember it was, that. It was That's no three dot, or six dot. It was three dot. <clears throat> and then it became six dot. And you're like, whoa, I can lean in. And then they still didn't have hand controllers and all this stuff. It was way back. You know, you talked about it earlier. Um, then we got the first vibes in Canada. And what they were stable enough to use them. And so what we did was we started doing events for, for brands. And we did all these events showing them VR. And that led to, into all these contracts. We did an AR sandbox for Kubota tractors. Um, and then we had our own accelerator called XR Ignite, in which we found a bunch of companies to potentially acquire. And we ended up acquiring one. It fell through. Started the podcast, found the other people, acquired them, and here we are. And so we launched the Metaverse Engine um, in 2020, in uh, right in the peak of COVID, right in June 2020. And we landed a couple of really big clients, Siemens Healthineers and Samsung, right away. And we realized really, like, within three months of launching a product, like, we were so excited to get the product in the world. And there's a saying um, that if you're not embarrassed by the first iteration of your product, you released too, too late. Yeah. And so we're, I mean, looking back now, it's like, oh, that was cute, but it worked. And we were able to build real valuable um, projects on it. And it was completely web-based. The editor was on the web and the distribution was on the web to all devices. So you didn't have to build an app. You didn't have to build an iOS and Android and desktop app. Yeah. Or, you know, you didn't have to do any of it. Just pushed one click and it published to all devices. So it all worked the way it planned, but where, where it kind of fell apart was when the big companies were like, hey, can we build it on our on our cloud infrastructure? Mm. And what about, you know, can we connect yeah. it to this business intelligence tool? And what about if we have six people using it instead of, you know, like, oh my God. And so for the last two and a half years, almost three years now, two and a half years, we, um, we rebuilt it from scratch. We took the rendering technology out and we rebuilt the entire thing with enterprise, with our partners. Like literally, what, do you, what features do you need? What do you, you know? And we built a GitHub repository. Now it's multiplayer. So you can have multiple people in a, in a session, in, you know, all working together. Uh, you have embedded videos. We have embedded iframes. We can bring other websites into it as well. We've got our own avatar system. Uh, we've got a physics system built in. Um, you can do spatial audio in it now. Uh, we have a payment processing system in it now. It's just a robust yeah. enterprise-grade system that we did in microservices. So now everything is fully scalable. And so now we just launched... We're building a virtual mall, as I mentioned, and the virtual mall will be the largest virtual mall in the world. It's a hundred floors, and maybe somebody will build a bigger one, but it's a hundred floors, and each floor is a million square feet, so it's a total hundred million square feet. And a million square foot's like a you know a mid-sized convention center. It's huge. Yeah. So our first project is the Starburst Juicy Burst. Uh, it just launched last week, and um, we just were in Venture Beat today for that. And it's super exciting. You go into the Juicy Burst, you create your avatar. Then you can walk in, and there's a Starcade where you can get a, a Juicyverse T-shirt on your avatar. You can get your photo taken. There's a little photo booth. There's a dance floor. There's a 3D search and find. And when you do the search and find, you get a coupon for a discount on your Starburst through an NFT. Then there's a studio where you can build, like almost like Minecraft, like you build out of uh, cubes, but the little cubes are Starburst candies. So you can build a whole piece of art uh, in Starburst and then mint it um, as an NFT. The winners get minted as an NFT. It's really honestly super fun and it's only just yeah, the first of many brand experiences to go in the mall and it's all built on our metaverse engine so you touched on this a little bit before and i want to kind of 
ask you about it. Given the name of the company, given all the hype that we saw last year around the word metaverse and all these corporate folks wanted to have a metaverse strategy and felt like they were being left behind. What's your take on the hype? I mean, we're at the end of this hype cycle now, it seems like in the last six months, now all of a sudden generative AI is the is the word that everyone has on their lips and not metaverse. It made us, so if you, if you really want to know how all of this happens all the time, same thing, NFTs, if you look back, it was NFTs yes. and then before that it was ICOs and before that it was uh, early AI. And then, so if you really want to see how this all works and where early money is made and lost and then gained again, <clears throat> take a look at the Gartner hype cycle. Every new technology follows this exact pattern every time. I don't know. I can't explain it. But what happens is you have a technology and it takes a long time for it to pick up. You're like, okay, quantum computing, great. Uh, for the last decade, everybody's been promising quantum. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's actually doing things. It's maybe close to solving problems. Money starts to pour in and it goes up through this kind of growth chart. When it hits the top is like the peak of crazy. When like people, companies are making billion dollar valuations on nothing but a, you know an algorithm yeah. kind of thing. Like where we are with AI right now is peak exploitation. Like holy crap. All the money's being poured into AI, and this will continue probably for another six months. It's usually, you know, six-month cycles. And then what happens is they realize that, okay, now there's a thousand AI companies. There can only be a few winners. Like, that's just the way the world works. And that's why OpenAI's raised, like, I don't know, billions of dollars, like $10 billion or something. Because, one, it cost them half a billion, half a billion dollars just to train the model. And then, of course, to keep the servers spinning up, it's a lot. So... If they can do it and they can become the dominant player, then then you become entrenched like Uber and you know uh, Airbnb, right? And nobody's going to challenge Airbnb now, or very yeah. very hard to. So it's a race to be the, the the best, and then everything else will lose its value. So you have this kind of peak wave, and then a huge drop where everybody loses their money. All the early VCs, all of those companies, you know, those poor startup companies where they raise like raise ten million and then they raise twenty million, they raise fifty million, they raise a hundred million. And their valuation keeps going up and up and up and up, but it's not really based on reality. It's based on VC hype. And then, of course, you have the drop, and it goes into what's called the trough of disillusionment. It goes right to the bottom. Everybody gets wiped out and loses. So NFTs lost 95% of their value. Uh, the metaverse, I think, would probably, if you kind of took the metaverse hype wave, I would say was not as severe as the NFTs because, uh, you know, but then again, if you everybody attached themselves to the word metaverse. Everybody, from AI to to website builders, to 3D, to everybody called called the metaverse, right? So, Where do you see it now, though? Well, we're at the bottom of the trough, right? And the bottom of the trough is a great spot to be. That's where the real value, the long-term value is built. For us, it was just great. We're like, okay, our, our name brand is now a name brand. Like, everybody knows the word metaverse. Whether they know it yeah. as our company or not, they subliminally think, oh, I've heard of your company. Great. This is yeah. great for business. But we didn't raise money at the peak. We didn't, you know, we, we're a self-funded company. So we're at the bottom now coming out of a massive, and this is going to be create like a $10 trillion opportunity in the next decade before the end of the decade, 2030. So we're at the beginning, at the bottom of this really massive wave that's coming in XR, 3D, and it's going to be this awakening. So to put it in perspective, we just won uh, best advance in education delivered through technology with our, uh, our partner, who we've been building 3D training solutions for in medical device training, and it's Siemens Health and Ears. And so they actually got on stage and they said that we have been able to help with our system reduce their in-person training from nine days to five days, a 40% reduction in, in, in class training. 
and people wow, come to the class more prepared and everything. So it's been a, a real uh, win for them. And once other brands realize that you're, you can see this kind of return, it's only a matter before everybody has to do it or else you're getting left behind. Let's talk about the, um, all of this in the context of the future of work. I'm, I'm really interested in the way that the pandemic has changed the way that I work every day. And I know my kids, given what's happening with AI right now, are going to be doing things a lot differently in the next decade. I mean, it's really mind blowing. And I try to separate it's, it's myself from the hype too. cycles. Yeah, it's really overwhelming, especially in the middle of a hype cycle like this, where you have a thousand products getting released every single day. It's hard to keep track. Of I've never seen it. I mean, let's be honest. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, never. okay, maybe the NFT projects, there was another stupid, you know, ape. But man, there's literally 2,000 AI products out there now, like that happened overnight because they're all based on the same large language model. Now, yeah, it's available to everybody. And this is one of the challenges and problems of AI is because you've put this extraordinary power in the hands of the entire world with no guardrails or regulations. I mean, if I was a if I was a shady person, I would just take this and I would just use it to bet against people on the on on the stock market. Mm -hmm. I would just create algorithms yeah. to bet against people in the stock market and it would cause pain. I would make me super rich. It's unethical and it's probably illegal, but there's no regulation. So who cares? Go for it until you get sucked on the wrist. You see what I mean? Like, in the con yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't know, this happened with NFTs and the blockchain and these technologies have real value. So for example, my friend has a, another company, um, uh, it's called um, Degree Archive. And they're you being able to back up, authenticate and back up your degree on a, on a, a distributed ledger so that your degree or your or learning any any you know uh, uh, educational uh, growth that you get any any certificates you get get locked into a, um, a distributed ledger forever so that you never can lose those because a university records building can burn down they you know uh, hard drives can be corrupted yeah. so uh, I thought that was a cool way of using blockchain to secure your educational legacy for the future of work. Yeah, I know that you know blockchain given all the stuff that's happened in the news is now a bad word, but I, I also have friends that are doing really interesting things in the space and they are operating at the, in the bottom of the trough are happy to be there and are building really, really interesting technologies. You know, the real builders, like you think the, the real AI nerds that are coding this stuff every day and really in there in the trenches want the giant world spotlight on their face no it's terrible it's a yeah, yeah. it's like whoa okay I, we get it you know you love what we're doing that's cool let us get back to work and build some stuff and one of the cool things is i was uh, i was under the impression that you know building software would be hard like i never learned how to code and you know i had always had to hire people but now with these technologies it's really yeah. freeing up anybody to create and that i think i mean man there's eight million people on this if we could just guide even a small percentage of them to, to build real uh, solutions for the world, right? And like go build a model on how to, how to, you know, change climate and, and um, you know, reduce uh, farming waste, whatever, like so many challenges in the world that we can optimize for. And this technology puts that well within everybody's grasp. So much of what you've been doing is about uh, remote work and remote collaboration with all this talk about CEOs forcing employees back to the office and some thinking about more of a hybrid approach and some, you know, are remote first. 
companies and are proud to be. How, mm -hmm. how are you thinking about work, the future of work for employees and how they're going to engage, separate from the AI for a second, but just in terms yeah. of how they're going to show up for each other, how they're going to show up to the office? I'm not sure about VR. And, and I say that with all love. I have VR. I've got the headsets are sitting here. We have all the new ones. We have all the things. And nobody ever wears them. Uh, at the most, we wear it once a week um, for special events. We're meeting a bunch of people and they're fun. It's, it's great times. But until it's like super light that I can put it on and still have my computer in front of me, but like still do my work. So the closest I've seen so far is Horizon Worlds, which is Facebook's, uh, you know, being able to put on the glasses. And you can see your keyboard. And it's nice because I want to, <clears throat> I yeah. just want to type, right? Like I don't, but it's still a little wobbly. It's weird. And the, the cameras are a little weird. Um, but these technologies, I think, are starting to be used on 2D screens. So, for example, we just built a meeting room with, that you pop up as an avatar, and it's for adults. It's you know, it's not like it's like Roblox. So I guess you walk around, but instead of having Roblox where you're you know trying to do a quest or something, you're in a meeting space where you can talk to peers and have a meeting and bring up powerpoints and you know do grown-up stuff in it. And it, it makes the grown-up stuff a little bit more fun. And some people don't want to be on video. That's why actually Microsoft introduced their uh, their new Teams avatar system. So it's just like this, only we're avatars um, on video and you're puppeteering it. So if I smile, the avatar smiles. If I give you a thumbs up. So it's just yeah. some people are shy and a lot of coders don't want to have their face on screen. So being able to have these alternative ways of communicating, I think, can bring us together. Now, there's nothing like putting on a VR headset and standing there and, and being with your you know, your friends in VR. It's really cool. Um, one of the things that I really blew me away, and I didn't think it would, um, the pass-through camera of the new Oculus Quest Pro, it has yeah. um, a color pass-through. But so I can see my room that I'm in, and then all of a sudden one of my team members was standing in front of me in super high-fidelity avatar like right there talking yeah. to me as if she was in my room. I was like, whoa. And I could, yeah, I've had that happen to me kid, too. She was it's standing very wrong powerful. Spot. I move her over. Oh my God. That was, I didn't think it would be that impactful, but it was really, and oh, and, and by the way, the, the Oculus Quest Pro has facial tracking. So it has cameras pointed at your lips. So if you smile, your avatar smiles. If you wink, it winks. Like it's really emotive. And I think we're very close to having that. That real experience. Now it's a bulky thing you got to put on, so you're not going to do it for too long. But that one-on-one yeah. -on -one experience, maybe it's like something like, okay, on Mondays we do our team meeting in VR. Uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, you come into the office, and uh, or or maybe it's Thursday, Friday, you come into the office, and Friday afternoon we have a we have a party or something like an in-person, you know, event where everybody gets to just hang out and chat. Yeah, because truly hybrid. Part of the in-office experience is hanging out with people and meeting them and talking to them. Um, I think there's a company called, oh man, it'll come to me. It's a 2D video game like thing. And you're like little yeah. avatar sprites and you walk around, gather, gather town. I mean, it's super, you know, 8-bit, but it's cool. Yeah. You can walk over to someone's desk and their desk is always there. Agreed. And you can say, hey, and, you know, they can put up Agreed. a little barrier. So leave me alone. <laughs> what are some other tools that you like? One of the things that I like to leave the audience with is, you know, just yeah. some takeaways on, hey, I'm going to try this tool. And it could be AI, it could be XR. Are there some tools out there that you like that you've been using that you could recommend? Uh, so I guess for uh, for meetings, like if in the world of work, I have automated my entire pipeline now. So I use Calendly to book my appointments. So it has a 25-minute or 45-minute appointment, and people can book that. 
Um, and then I've blocked that out on Calendly of when they can book and when they can't. And uh, so that's Calendly. And then when I go into Calendly, it automatically sets up a Zoom call. Um, and then the Zoom call automatically, my uh, I have a Fireflies AI uh, meeting recorder, and it records my Zoom calls. And then it transcribes it. And at the end of the call, that goes into our HubSpot automatically and then sends an email follow-up with the with the uh, consensus uh, of the meeting, which is all done through AI. Yeah. Um, it's all automated. I don't do any of it. And it takes care of it all. That's really cool. So it's like remote, remote collaboration and remote video and AI through the entire process into a CRM that actually allows you to get all the information you need from those meetings. A hundred percent because, because, uh, you know, I can't do all the meetings obviously, but I, I like to meet everybody for the first time at least. And you know we get into conversations and then our team can then take those. The notes are all there for everybody to, to, to you know, yeah. take action on. It also creates action items for people. So um, it allows, it frees me up to do way more than if I had to go and do all the steps that that's like, it used to take me 30 minutes to 40 minutes after every call to go and do all that junk. Um, the other thing I really can't live without it anymore. And it's more of a personal thing. I really like uh, mid journey and mid journey yeah. five is really amazing. I use it. I use it today in my AI versus humans.ai website. I used it to create an, a graphic of Sam Altman giving a testimony to Congress. Wow. Well, tell um, tell the audience, I mean, I meant most people know about MidJourney now because it's been in the news, but for those that don't, can you explain it really simply? MidJourney is an AI algorithm that allows you to have text to image. And you can do everything from give me a fantastical world filled with unicorns and rainbows to I need a, a quantum computer in super high fidelity with this camera angle and this lens flare and like you can get as detailed as you want using text and it will just create it out of thin air. It's mind boggling. That use case also given the, I mean, we're recording this podcast on May 11th and given the announcement yesterday of the Adobe Google partnership, you can imagine that our ability to create images, illustrations, graphics in general is going to massively change for everybody. Oh and God, uh, it'll be yeah. so accessible. It's uh, it's already accessible. I mean, there's now an AI that you can make videos, you can make audio. There's no excuse. There's literally no excuse for not being a creator in this time and age. Um, I mean, Snapchat, people don't give Snapchat enough credit. Their lens studio for creating lenses, like AR filters, for AR, yeah. world, world filters, for their AR stuff is, there's been more AR done on Snap than all other platforms combined to date. They have done over a trillion wow, AR snaps. They are the leader in AR, period, full stop. And their glasses, which they never came out with, I got to try them. Holy crap. They were mind-blowing. They had like a one-hour battery life. <laughs> but they were mind-blowing for that one hour. Here's a question for you that uh, shifting gears just a little bit. I've been talking to a lot of young people that have never been into their office and have only operated within Zoom calls. Uh, and one of the things that they've been telling me is how difficult it is to be mentored in that kind of environment. And they really miss that. They miss, you know, having a mentor that can help them, you know, understand the business, understand their career. Can you tell me any mentors that you've had over your career that come to mind that have been really impactful for you? One that comes to mind is a gentleman, uh, Don Walker. Uh, Don was a um, an executive here in Canada, and he, he worked for a car parts uh, CEO of a car parts manufacturer. 
Um, and I'll never forget one thing he said to me stuck with me in a really dark time in my life because I, I just lost everything, literally everything. And he said, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. And you know, it stuck with me as, as just the right advice at the right exact time. And I try to live my life with that now. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain because, well, one, nobody cares, and two, it doesn't make anything better. So it only makes it worse. And so that that advice at that time was the perfect amount. And then I had another uh, mentor of mine, uh, Giovanni uh, Marsico, and Gio- Giovanni runs a thing called Archangel Academy. And he, he it started off as a group of, I think, 150 people in L.A. got together, and I was the DJ for it. And I just happened to be in the right room and met these wonderful people. Nice. And it, it, it's this kind of abundance mindset, you know, Peter Diamandis kind of thing. So Peter Diamandis, yeah. you know, was one of their guests one year. And uh, I just kind of got pulled into this, uh, into this big thinker type um, world. And through having the big touchscreen DJ board, I got invited to things like Curiosity Camp where I met some other mentors there. Um, Curiosity Camp is a camp put on by Eric Schmidt from Google. And um, I got to go to this camp and, you know, really see the future of technology. That's where I saw VR for the first time. And then most recently, um, you know, I've got a, a couple of mentors, um, Bob Gruders, who used to run sales at Facebook, um, Mark Puas, who sold a few companies to Microsoft and has built many, many companies and, and products over the years. Um, these are really, you know, mentors that are there daily to, to help me kind of navigate this crazy, you know, entrepreneurial world because it's what we're doing is very hard. I mean, I would not wish what we've had to go through on anyone. Um, we've had to go through hell to get here. Um, it was really hard uh, because we didn't do it with investment. We did it from our own, which right or wrong, um, that's the path we chose um, yeah. because we didn't want to dilute ourselves. Now we have a global engine being used by some of the biggest companies in the world and we've given up no equity. Yeah, very, very, very smart. It is helpful to have mentors along the way. I mean, I know I've spent my life as a as an entrepreneur and it's, it's not easy. It is so hard, guys. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, whatever you think it's going to be, it's going to be 10 times harder, 10 times more expensive, and there'll be 10 times the highs and 10 times the lows, and sometimes in the same day. You know, I, I used to you know, complain to somebody you know, before my don't criticize, condemn, or complain moment. I used to complain that you know, I, I was rich and poor sometimes in the same day. You know, sometimes I, I get <laughs> you know, a quarter million dollar check in. And we'd have like three hundred thousand dollars worth of bills to go out, you know. Yeah, ah, <laughs> rich and then poor. <laughs> this has just been an amazing conversation, Alan, and it was so fun to meet you in Miami. And I'm excited to see you in San Jose. I um, and so I, I want to ask you one last question. Yeah. And I ask everybody: if you were to describe the future of work in two words, what would those two words be? Unlimited awesome. So my ultimate goal in life is to build a new education system to pe- prepare people for what's coming. And it's going to be called the Unlimited Awesome Academy. And so Unlimited Awesome is our, is our phrase. And, you know, we have an unlimited abundance on this planet. We're not going to run out of anything anytime soon, even up to about 10 billion people on the planet. We have to be mindful of how we do it. But we are going to, you know, by the end of this decade, we'll start mining asteroids. It'll be crazy. If you think of things in an abundance mindset, and think of the world, instead of like, what job am I going to get to make some money? What problem in the world do you want to solve? And then spend the rest of your life doing that. And trust me, you'll be rewarded for it, whatever it is, as long as it's a big problem. Mindset shift to a new world when AI unlocks superpowers in everyone. So that's really what I want to build in the world. And uh, 25% of our shares, my wife and I, we've put into a trust. Um, 
for that, uh, our 25% of our shares in Metaverse and our shares in all of our companies uh, are sitting in a trust for that. And we also have a worldwide uh, perpetual usage license of the Metaverse engine to use it for that. And the 100th floor of the mall will be the global headquarters for the Unlimited Awesome Academy. So we kept floor 100 for ourselves. That's great. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll do this again. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. What a pleasure to have Alan Smithson as our guest in today's episode. Alan's passion for entrepreneurship and his insights into emerging technology paint the picture for what the future of work will look like. If you want to learn more about Alan and his work, you can find him on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you're interested in how AI and XR will combine to inform our shared experience at work and at home, you should definitely connect with him and keep up with his posts and activities online. I continue to be amazed by guests we've had on the show, and I'm excited about the ones joining us in the near future. I truly appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you for listening to this episode, and don't forget to follow us for more exciting interviews and the shifting future of work. The Shift Podcast is produced and sponsored by Simply Augmented. Audio production and engineering by The Monkey Pants. Our theme music is by Dave Angel.